0: You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. This may be one of the most important letters I've written to you. I want to deepen our understanding about something I wrote last month, how hatred has become the new spirit of the age. I wrote that before the police shootings in July. The mounting racial tensions in this country are symptoms of a much deeper reality. We need to grasp what is taking place in our world so we know how to live and how to respond. In the Beatitudes, Jesus warns against murderous rage and consuming lust. I don't think that was by accident. I don't think he randomly chose two vices from the litany of human sin. The more you understand the essence of our human nature and human conflict, you understand what Jesus was pointing to. Human beings are ravenous. A famished craving for life haunts every person. We crave fullness. It is our design. We were created for unceasing happiness and joy in life. But ever since we lost Eden, we have never known a day of total fullness. We are never filled in any lasting way. Human beings are like cut flowers. We appear to be well, but we're cut off from the vine, and we are ravenous. Until we return to God and actually abide in Him, until we experience God as our daily source of life, we are desperate creatures, lustful creatures. We look to a marriage, or the hope of a marriage, a child, our work, some food, or drink, or adventure. The next dinner out, the new car, anything to touch the ache inside us. We are ravenous beings. That is why Jesus warned about consuming lust. Then the world doesn't cooperate. Far from it. The world gets in the way of a ravenous ache. It constantly thwarts us. People don't treat us as we long to be treated. We can't find the happiness we crave. Our, bo- our boss is harsh so we sabotage him. Our spouse withholds sex, so we indulge online. The ravening won't stop. But boy, oh boy, when somebody stands in the way of our desperate hunger, they feel the fury of our rage. We are ready to kill. People shoot each other over traffic incidents. Parents abuse a baby who keeps them up at night. We shred one another in social media over political disagreements. That is why Jesus warned about the murderous rage. This is the human condition, ravenous and ready to kill anything that gets in our way. Now enter two more dynamics. The first is the hour in which we are living. These are the last hours of the age. The scripture describes them with startling clarity. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. Oh, yes. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. 2 Timothy 3, 1-3. And then Jesus says, Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Matthew twenty four twelve. Human beings lose their capacity to love when their own souls are parched, tormented, and thwarted. When sin rages, when cruelty, selfishness, and hatred rule the day, yes, love is hard to cultivate. Yes, it grows cold, even in the best of us. Enter dynamic number two, the spirit of the age. And here comes the perfect storm. Spirits of hatred... Violation and violence have been released on the earth here in these last days. In Paris, Brussels, Orlando, Dallas, how much more proof do we need? Hatred, violation, and violence are sweeping the earth and they find massive support in humanity's current condition. Someone, remember the ravenous, feels violated. The spirit of violation jumps all over it and inflames it like gasoline on fire. Hatred joins in like sharks smelling blood in the water. They feel hatred. They want to retaliate with murderous rage, thus violence. Friends, this will shed so much light on so many things for you. Not just out there in the world, but it's close to home, too. I am finding that normal relational tensions are open doors for this darkness, this violation, followed by hatred jumps on every opportunity. It can be triggered by an unkind email, a Facebook post, or a remark. Even just driving. Simple irritation becomes an open door to suddenly feel a whole lot more than just irritation. Never before has love been more important to cling to, to pray, to invoke. You're going to need to be vigilant. No little grievances, no offenses, no revenge, no open door to any of this. Now I understand why Jesus keeps bringing us back to love to pray love, to enforce love, forgiveness, mercy, overlooking offenses, breaking any agreement with violation, hatred, or violence. So often these days, as I ask him what to pray, he responds with love. So John prays, Jesus, we love you. We really do love you. We turn our hearts toward you in love. Jesus, receive your love. We take refuge in your love. We make our deepest and total agreement with your love. We receive your love. We take refuge in your love. We make our deepest and total agreement with your love. And Jesus, we dedicate ourselves our lives and our kingdoms to your love. We devote our kingdoms to the love of God. We command that the love of God fills our kingdoms in every way. May the love of God flow like a river over and through our lives. Love like an ocean around us. We bring the love of God against all violation, violence, and hatred. We bring the love of God against all envy, jealousy, and judgment. We bring the love of God against all cursing. We choose love. We align ourselves with love. And we command the love of God through our lives, our homes, our kingdoms. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thine, oh my. Just stay with that kind of praying. It will really, really help. God is love. And as we call down love, we call down the heart of God Himself. And we call down the power of His kingdom. Offered in love, John Eldridge. Let's pray. Father, as, as you've given our brother your heart, your insight into the world. Situation of today. We hear your prophetic word. As we try to figure it out on ourselves and try to make political stances and choices, we just acknowledge, Lord, that there is nothing but your love that's going to make the kind of transforming reality in the world. And so we cry out, Lord, would you fill us with more of your love? Would you cause us to be agents of your love in the earth? Father, with the racial, with the crazy religious stuff that's going on, where people kill people in the name of of God, Father, I pray that you would release a revelation of yourself, your goodness, your love. And so, Lord, may you make This place, what you've always had in your heart for it to be. We pray with Jesus. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Got a prophetic word, I believe for us from Brian Simmons, the writer of the Passion Translation. The title of this is, My Love for You is Great. In the context of John's letter, I thought, man, this this is a powerful word for the church today and for every one of us as believers. So I've got it on the PowerPoint so that you can not only hear it, but you can see it. I pray that it will will capture your heart. And those things that the Holy Spirit highlights for you take special note of. And if you want a copy of it, see Michelle. (laughs) Well, We'll be happy to make a copy available to you. This is a tremendous word. Out of I Hear His Whisper. Receive in even more of my love. Drink it into your innermost being. My love is what transforms you and changes your thinking, your prayers, and the essence of your life. It is impossible for you to understand the depth of my love, for it is more than you can imagine and more than you can ever perceive. It will take eternity for you to begin to even begin to grasp the wonder of my love for you. Wow. We're going to have all eternity to grasp that. It is not meant to be a doctrine or a teaching. It is through every painful incident and every broken relationship I have felt. My heart is one with you, and it is impossible for you to endure pain and I not to endure it with you. I have never, I have never regretted for a moment my choice of you. Look into the sky and see the vastness of my universe. Yet my love is greater still. The universe cannot contain the depths of my love for you. I created all things as a gift for you. It is nothing compared to the joy I experience when I have you and when you come to be with me. I laid aside my robes of glory to come down and purchase you with my blood. You are the pearl of great price, and I sold all that I had to purchase you. You are the treasure hidden in the field. I came into this world and found you. Never doubt my love or allow its fire to dim in your heart. Stir up your love to know my love and experience my endless delight of you. Amen. Amen. It seems like I can never get away from love. It's just been on my heart year after year after year after year after year, and I think part of that is that in our in our walk with the Lord, as we as we begin it uh, through confession of our sins and invitation for him to come in and to receive his forgiveness, we understand that our perception of who he, who he was, who we thought he was, was completely wrong. Instead of this, this angry God that's just out to zap us, we find that he's merciful and he's loving and he's kind and he's long to forgive us and he's long for us to enter into relationship with him whereby we can know who he truly is and as we take those elementary steps toward him, all it does is it, is it fuels our desire for more of him. And the more we get to know of his love from forgiveness of sins, we find out that his love continues to be merciful to us all the days of our life. And so we find that as he reveals himself as a loving God, we can never touch bottom in the ocean of his love. And so we continue to explore his love and, and to discover more and more the depths of his love. When you, when you get on the love train, you get on that track and you start, you start understanding that God is love and that his perfect love casts out all fear, all anxiety, all of that leaves. Then as, as you get anxious and as you get fearful, you know that there's more about the love of God that you've yet to, to know to experience. And so it's an invitation, not for shame, to shame us like, well, you should know that by now. It's an invitation to come closer, to draw near, to know how wonderful his love is, to know that it is always, 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 always going to be there. His love never fails, never fails. So much so that sometimes in our immaturity, And because of our woundedness and and all the brokenness inside our heart, the enemy can get us to jump on a a, a faulty line of thought that says, because I know that God loves me, then I can do whatever I want to do. And there is truth to that. You can do whatever you want to do, but it's not without consequences. It will have consequences. You have freedom, and in Christ you you are perfectly free. But as we give in to the brokenness and the wounded places of our hearts and the enemy begins to take the good news and distort it and tries to pervert so that our thinking gets twisted and we think that we can go ahead and and just live any way we want to, we realize that we haven't really understood love. Because when you're in love, you're not looking how far away from the relationship how much distance you can put between the one and the object of your affection, you're always wanting to see how much closer you can get to the one that you love, the one that you delight in. And so love is is the very foundation core of our entire walk with Jesus. It's the foundation of our entire walk in his kingdom. It's, it's, It's the very basis for our movement in the Holy Spirit as we walk in the Spirit it all centers around his love because his love continues to draw us, draw us closer. So when you look at how you get out of love, you'll find out oftentimes if, if, if you don't beat yourself up, but you just say, man, you know, I was very unloving in that moment. Whether you are talking to your spouse or your kids or the dog, or the driver in front of you on the road, and all of a sudden this stuff comes up, if if you'll follow that down into your heart, you can begin to start to understand, how has the enemy taught you to believe that the world really works? How, How do I process my circumstances in the moment, and that transforms and trumps my connection to the love of God? I think the Holy Spirit will help us in those moments to really start to connect the dots and understand, you know, I believe a lie here. I believe a lie. And, and, and the lie, sometimes the lie is, I believe that I should have an absolutely pain-free existence on planet Earth and that all vehicles on the road should part like the Red Sea when my car comes down. And everyone should show me the kindness and courtesy anywhere my car goes. And we find that that's just not the case. Hmm. So Lord, help us to believe truth. Help us to believe the truth, your truth, what you have to say about our lives and how we should live. I'm, you know, as, as I look at Jesus, as I look at God with all the love that he has, His love for the world was so great that he gave his only begotten son. So what happens when love comes to earth? It reveals our wickedness. Not to punish us, but to draw us to what we were truly created to be. And so when Jesus comes and, and people are drawn to him and the multitudes come to him and he releases the goodness of God in healing, in, in deliverance, in salvation, in all the different ways in which the gospel went forth and Jesus represented the Father's heart on the earth, everybody just loved Jesus and, and we celebrated him. We crowned him king and put him on the throne and said, you rule. No, we killed him. We killed him. And when I look at the world today and I see the insanity of the world and the chaos, I realize that just as Jesus came to lay down his life for us, part of the Christian call to discipleship is understanding that our lives are no longer our own that we've been bought with a price, and therefore we glorify Christ in our body. Which means, if you're not suffering, I'm not trying to get everybody into a rejection suffering complex, but, but if, 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 if you're not coming into the world and influencing it in a loving way, the response of the world is always going to be to try to take you out. And I think a lot of us are going to be taken out. But we've got to get to that place where we're willing to lay down our lives. When we have that intimate love connection with Jesus, that we are willing to follow him wherever he leads us, we'll be willing to lay down our lives. (laughs) One of the great fathers of the faith called it the prayer of indifference. And that's when you want what you want and you really want it badly, but you've come to the place where you want and you've learned that what God, what God wants is really what should be supreme. And getting yourself to the place uh, where the prayer of indifference comes is where you desire God's will, not knowing if he wants you to go left or if he wants you to go right. But you've got to the place where you've been able to empty all your desire for his desire. And you say, you get to the place where that if he tells you to go to left, you're, you're at good, you're at peace with it. If he tells you to go right, you're good, you're at peace with it. Because you come to the place of kind of resigning to his lordship and to his will in directing your life. Now that's an interesting concept. Sometimes I think we've taken that to to the place that we lose our identity in the sense of of who we are as individuals. But I think most of the time, it's because we're misreading the saints. We're misreading those that have written in, in decades and centuries gone before us that, that we, we don't realize that their identity in God is so deep and so rich and so true that they've realized that the best thing for them is to be fully, fully in the will of God because they know their Father loves them. They know that their father loves his children. And that when he moves us in difficult places, it's because he needs an expression of his love in a difficult place. And I believe as, as we get older and as uh, the last days, whatever we're in, as, as these times continue, We have to have our our relationship with the Lord so established on his love that when he needs his heart to be seen in a very difficult situation, because of our love bond with him, we're able to go in and not hesitate and to, as Christ did, your will, not my will, be done. And to go into those places I think from the time I was 14, there was always a sense that someday I may be laying down my life for, for Jesus. I've always had that thought in the back of my, my mind and probably in my heart more than my mind. Just realizing, uh, even as a teenager, reading, reading the Gospels and realizing how evil the days could be, that there was, a, there was a real sense that when I gave my life to Jesus, I gave my life completely to him. And that if he required something like that out of my love relationship with him as I walked, I believe that it would be just the next step. Just as I live today and I take the next step of today in him, if there comes a time in our life where we have to walk into an extremely difficult situation, I believe it will be just a continuation of what we've learned here and now that we obey, that we listen, that we love, that we follow him. And when he needs an expression of his love in a very, very difficult situation, we just take the next step and we go and we don't balk and we don't hesitate because the, the, the promise is that the glory will fill the earth, the glory of God. Now, I'm not one of these that's just trying to hold on to the end. And uh, neither am I one that's saying, oh, Jesus, I want to prove my love to you. So make my life as miserable as it can be so that I can really show you how much I love you. I'm not on that side of the fence and I'm not on the other side. Jesus, quick, take me out of here before things get any more difficult. I think we have to live in a day-to-day relationship with him to where we don't get fearful about what's happening in the world, but we realize that every time the enemy raises his ugly face and gets men to do his will, we see an opportunity for the Lord to step in. And whether he uses us, we need to be praying for all our brothers and sisters, whoever he calls to use in the situation, that they're able to step without hesitation right in. And be light and love and truth in the earth. So Paul wrote, and I'll close with this Love is patient and kind. Slide eleven, Sue. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrong when it has been wronged. Keeps no record when it has been wronged. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever but prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all disappear. Now we know only a little, and even the gift of prophecy reveals little. But when the end comes, these special gifts will all disappear. It's like this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly as in a poor mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that, I know is n- all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me now. There are three things that will endure, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Out about it. I believe that the, the Spirit of the Lord is calling to us as believers in Jesus Christ to grow up in love. It's time to grow up in love. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, thank you that you have demonstrated your love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we say, Thank you. Thank you for demonstrating what love looks like. I pray, Father, that you would move with holy, holy conviction inside of our hearts to encourage us. I pray, Father, that the spirit of shame and condemnation would be completely broken off every believer in Jesus' name, that the enemy would not get us to focus on how poorly we're loving and shame us into thinking we can do better, I pray, Father, that you would release an inspiration of your love, of your example, of how you loved, and let that, let that be set before us. Oh, Lord, just as, as it was set before the Lord Jesus, who because of your great love could endure the cross, even scorning the shame. I pray, Father, that you would release through your spirit an impartation in our hearts of holy, holy love. That the days of petty selfishness in our lives would come to an end. A day of rejoicing and honoring you and one another. Being able to look on others as you see them. So I pray, Father, that as you impart love, I pray that you would anoint our eyes so that we could see as you see. Anoint our ears that we could hear the cries that you hear. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint our nose so that we would have the ability to discern whether something is from you, from the world, or from the kingdom of darkness. That discernment would go up that there would be upgrades in our, in our uh, anointings, in, in the ability to discern what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're speaking in this hour. And for this, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. If you know John Newell and you've got him programmed in your phone, and you know how to do texting. Should be everybody under 50. Those over 50, you might not know how to do f- texting. So see one of the the children so you can learn. Um, I would like for us to put a bunch of love bombs on John this week. Okay, Text him, email him, get some things of encouragement. Invite him. I think we're going to give him... Let's just give him a 100 requests for him and Karen to come Thursday night to our, our healing room experience, our worship oh, healing room experience. And then anyone else that you know that needs a touch, physically, emotionally, spiritually, invite them, have them come. Uh, this Thursday at 7 p.m., we're going to have a special time right here of just releasing the love of God in very profound, incredible wonderful ways. So if you've got anybody, especially if they have cancer, I hate cancer. We're going after cancer. Anybody that is battling cancer and they can come, let them come. If you have loved ones that can't come that are battling cancer, make sure you let us know their names and what the situation is so that we can pray. We're going to war. We're going to war this week in love. And love will, will provoke some, uh, some boldness out of us. I believe it. Okay? Uh-huh. If you have a need this morning, we'll be happy to pray for you. We've got some wonderful, wonderful anointed folks that, that love to pray. Wow. So if you have any kind of need. Uh, while we were worshiping, I had a, a, a sense of profound loss. That there was someone here who was going through a, a real sense of profound loss that's you, I'd love to pray for you. So come on up. It may be more than one, but I felt sure that there was one person here that was, that was really agonizing with, with a, a deep, deep sense of loss. Grief, okay? So Father, I bless my brothers and sisters, your precious sons and daughters. I thank you for their love and devotion to you and their commitment, Lord, to seeing heaven come to earth. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Bring it, Lord, for your glory. And I pray, Father, that you would release your your favor, your love, your face. Let, Let your countenance be beheld by each one of us this week. And may it transform us from glory to glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast.